Welcome to Business Conversations with your host, business strategist, Clive Ennevar. Clive is joined by expert guests as they talk business behind the scenes to give you the tools and insights to support your growth, security and serenity as you strive for your success. Welcome to another episode of Business Conversations with Clive Ennevar. I am Clive Ennevar, business strategist, and we're having a conversation with Heather Ryder about how perfectionism is bad for business. Heather Ryder is known professionally as the energy synergist, and she's an anxiety specialist who personally overcame high-functioning anxiety. She works with clients from all over the world who want to take a non-traditional, holistic approach to healing anxiety. Hello, Heather, and welcome. Hi, thank you so much. I'm excited about our conversation today. It's a pleasure to have you here, and it's a double pleasure because anxiety seems to be something that has crept into we human people and yes. has taken us over somewhat. How did you yeah, get I would agree. involved in this? Well, a number of years ago, I was working in technology. I live in Austin, Texas in the United States, and it's a big tech city. There's a lot of very major, large technology companies here, and I was working in the tech scene. And I didn't realize that I was really grappling with high-functioning anxiety, which is basically a type of anxiety that's hidden from people, including usually the person who has it. I was also really struggling with perfectionism, which is definitely something I want to talk with you about today. And then I also had what is called imposter syndrome, if you've ever heard of that. And so it was kind of a triple whammy of things that was going on inside my head. And so I basically eventually had a very severe autoimmune reaction that was triggered in part by all of the stress and anxiety that I was operating under. My body was just pushed too hard for too long. And so it eventually gave out. And so along my path to healing and recovery, I don't need to tell you the entire story, but basically the methods and kind of process that I went through to heal my body is what I take my clients through now. So the tools that were helped me are the tools that I use to help my clients. So I left my job in corporate America and I now work with other really high achieving and driven people who are also suffering from anxiety who want to take a non-traditional approach. There you go. So you've actually had hands-on experience at this. Yes, had plenty of experience. (laughs) And indeed, you are an experienced lady because you mentioned that you live in Austin, Texas, and I understand you have a family. I do. I have two daughters. They are in high school, and we have three cats, which I think officially makes me a crazy cat lady. (laughs) It's a a (laughs) lot of cats. But yeah, so my daughters are both performers of various types, theater and dance. So outside of my business, I just am involved with watching my children perform, which is amazing and really gratifying. Indeed. And a lot of people, of course, have difficulty organizing this thing called work-life balance. And Mm -hmm. I'm pleased to hear that you're taking care of yours to spend time with your children. Yes, extremely important. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. And perfectionism is what we're here to talk about. So how does one define perfectionism? Is it different for you and me and somebody else? Well, that is a really great question. What I would like to, I guess, use as a way of gauging perfectionism is there is a difference between having high standards, 
right? Wanting to do a really good job, wanting to have a business that is excelling and doing well, and maybe even having, you know, great customer service or really high quality work. But perfectionism is when you take that idea of what is a high standard and basically turn it into something that is unattainable. Like perfectionism would be something that you're constantly chasing where it's never good enough. Right. And so I do think that the definition of perfectionism or perfection is unattainable. It's just also subjective. So that's kind of what you were alluding to is what's perfect for me is not perfect for you. And that would also show that it is subjective and that would mean it's unattainable. Indeed. And now is this something that restricted particularly to people in business or do we find that it spreads itself across a whole bunch of areas? Yeah, I would say that it is in both personal lives and business lives. And if you think about business, a person's business is really just an extension of themselves. And so if you have perfectionism showing up in your personal life, that means it's seeping into your business. If you are a perfectionist in your business, it's seeping into your personal life. So people who tend to have perfectionistic tendencies, this in all areas of their life. And it's really easy for me to look at you and say, Heather's a bit of a perfectionist. How easy is it for me to look at me and say, Clive's a bit of a perfectionist? Mm -hmm. Right. So it's kind of, I guess maybe what you're asking is, well, how would you know? What are some signs that you're being a perfectionist? There are some things that you could check for that are pertaining to work. Like if you're about to send an email Do you read it over four or five or maybe even six times to check it over and over, even if it's a very short email, to make sure that it is right? Are you spending time editing documents an extraordinary just amount of time? Those are some things to look for as like an actual time element. But you should also be looking for just areas of dissatisfaction or unhappiness. And those can be indicators that you're really trying to achieve something that is unattainable, where you're never satisfied with your work. It could be an endless to-do list is another example, where it's like you're crossing off things, but you're never, ever getting to the end of it. It's because you have an amount of work that is not possible for one human being. And if you feel dissatisfied with the amount of things that you have not done, as opposed to looking at all the things that you did accomplish, that's a sign of perfectionism. And brings me back to the thoughts of years ago, I decided that perfection was a journey, not a destination. Oh, okay. Excellent. (laughs) Yes. Well, I like that reframe that you've put in your mind, right? Like you're in the middle of the process which is fabulous. And that is something I would recommend to anybody is just realizing like, you've just got to put one foot in front of the other. And so this is either applicable to, you know, personal life or business life, but it is how can you just keep the momentum going? Because what I've seen with a lot of other business owners that I know is we'll be having conversations. Let's say it's about something about marketing technique or tactic, and I'll suggest something and people will mention things like, well, yeah, but I don't know how to do that. So they don't even start something because they don't know how to do it yet because they have an idea in their mind that they have to already know how to do something and it has to be perfect before they even start it. And so I would imagine, for example, when you started this podcast, there was a lot of things that you didn't know, but you just decided to go for it and probably learned a lot along the way and have really refined things as you've gone. And maybe it 
the first podcast probably sounds very different than the ones that you put out now. And that's because it was a, a process for you as you went along. Yeah, the journey of life is an interesting thing, isn't it? That we think that we have to know everything. And I guess most of us finish it without knowing much. <laughs> that's probably true. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so how are we going to get this message through to all and sundry that we don't have to know everything. We don't have to be perfect, whatever perfect means to an individual. Well, how could we kind of, I guess, get the message out to them? You know, a way that I think we could do that is to start looking for measures of success. Because if you look back on things that you have done successfully, and this can be either in your business or your personal life, it's like we're looking for some validation and verification for ourselves. And so if we can look back at anything that we have done successfully, then we know, hey, if I did that, then I have specific skills and those probably translate into this other area. Because our brains are always looking for like proof of things, right? We're trying to fix patterns together and assimilate information. And so if we can look at times that we have been successful, then we will know, okay, I've done it before, I can do it again. One of the things I encourage people to do as I work with them in their business in particular, Heather, is to write down at the end of each day anything and everything that, for which they are grateful. Mm. Because what I've learned through the years is my brain tells me lies. That is, when I go back to look at things and say, what happened there? It tells me a story which isn't necessarily true. Whereas if I've written it down... I can reflect on things that were probably true when I wrote them down. Is that something that you think is helpful to people to find those patterns of good stuff? Oh, I love the idea of gratitude. As you mentioned, I keep a gratitude journal and I write in it every night and I can't write the same thing every day. I have to be writing new things. But one thing I also do as a reform perfectionist as I mentioned, the like endless to-do list and being really motivated and driven, I'm always looking at the next thing, like what else it is I want to do. Every Sunday, I keep a weekly reflection about my business and I write down a list of every single thing that I accomplished that week. And I write down a section that I call learnings. So it's things I want to improve upon or things that I figured out, but I know that I still need to hone. I will tell you, Clive, that list of things that I accomplished in a week is really, really long. And the list of things that are learnings or that I want to improve upon is pretty short. And that's a really good gauge for me to be like, wow, Heather, you are getting so much done in a week. And sometimes I'll forget to even write some things down. And after I'm done an hour later, I'm like, oh my gosh, there's like three more things that I could add to that list. And I recommend that to some of my clients as well who are really high achieving because it's very hard, as you mentioned, to be your own unbiased, you know, looker at what you're doing. And so if you can have some sort of proof, again, maybe even in written form, that really helps you reset and realize that a lot of that chatter that's going on in your mind of that criticism isn't real. Because then again, like I said, you're looking for proof. You've just written down the proof. Yes, it's a wonderful thing what we can learn from writing. And are there particular books that you recommend for people that can help in circumstances where they might be a little stressed over not achieving? Not achieving. Well, I'm sure you've heard of Marie Forleo before. She's well-known 
marketing person and she does a lot of mindset work with people. She has a lot of videos out that you can watch. She has a book that she's written recently. And I love a lot of what she talks to people about because one of her mottos is progress, not perfection. So that's something that if you want somebody who's fun and lighthearted and has a lot of silly videos out there, but actually have a lot of good content, she interviews a lot of well-known people as well about their businesses and their own personal life. She's somebody that I would recommend that your listeners go and start following. Very good. And of course, we'll talk later about how they can find you because obviously you having been through this and helping people through it, you're probably a pretty good person that we should approach about this. Well, thank you. (laughs) But we talked earlier about how can one recognize it because, you know, I might recognize it in you, but perhaps not myself. Correct. How did perfectionism show up in your life? Well, I'd love to tell you this one story that really made clear to me how much I was struggling with perfectionism. And again, it was actual proof of something. So I have a master's degree and it's in library and information science. And I never had intended to work in a school. But when my children were very young, I decided that was going to be a really good fit for my schedule. The working in a school, you know, summer's off, holidays off, all that sort of thing. But I needed to have teacher certification. And to do that, I needed to take more graduate classes in the degree I already had. And so I considered that red tape. I mean, I was already had a job at a school and it was a contingent license. And so they just said, go and take these classes and then and you'll be certified. So I had to keep telling myself while I was taking one particular class because I was working full time and I had two kids, I had to keep telling myself, Heather, you don't need to get an A in this class because I didn't need to get an A in the class. I literally just needed to pass it. And so I was working on a project that was pretty lengthy and I decided I was going to give myself one day to work on this because I knew my tendency was that I was going to work and work, overwork, check it 5,000 times, edit, revision. And I said, nope, you get one day from this time to this time. And truly the entire day, I kept telling myself, Heather, you don't need to get an A. You don't need to get an A. And so I finished at the end of the day and I thought, gosh, this is junk. I cannot believe I'm turning this in. This is like C-level work. Okay, this is embarrassing, but I just need to pass. And I would say if I did not have that time that I specified, I probably would have worked an entire another day on it, revising it. I'm not exaggerating. So I turn it in and I get a grade back about a week later and it's an A. I got an A. And that let me know everything that I had been doing up until that point, it was more than A-level work, right? It was A++++. I was spending so much time and energy, like physical and mental energy, that was completely unnecessary. So it was like my A-level work was like other people's, I mean, my C-level work was other people's A-level work, right? And so that was a really big eye-opener to me. Like, Heather, you are doing way too much, way too much. And so that really has helped me scale back and is useful to me now to remember that instance because, you know, something that I still grapple with, I do really great work. And so sometimes I just want to do a little bit more. And it's like, nope, Heather, that is good enough. That's enough. And I stop. So that was something of a, one of those, moments where the message gets through 
How do you spot those moments in other people or indeed encourage those moments in the people with whom you work so that they can recognize these things? You know, I love the theme of this conversation because this is kind of coming through of what you're saying is seeing it in other people, but not recognizing it in ourselves. And so that story I just shared with you, I have many more just like that. And so when I am talking to other people and I can see that they're struggling with perfectionism, when I tell them some stories about myself, that really resonates with them. It's because they can understand that I see something in them that they couldn't see. And then when I tell them a story about how I had struggled, it's relatable and it helps them realize, oh, I didn't realize I was doing that. But the story that I tell, it's like I will pick the appropriate one that fits for their circumstance. And then they can see themselves in what I'm saying because it's basically shining a light on something that they didn't realize they were grappling with. So with the experience that you've got now, do you find it easier now to spot somebody who's maybe at the lower level of struggling with perfectionism rather than just spotting those that are, well, highliners? I would say yes, because when people are struggling with perfectionism, I mean, there are some cues and there's a bit of resistance sometimes. It's like there'll be a look that crosses over somebody's face. You can see wheels turning, but at the same time, it's like they're kind of confronting something within themselves. So that's an indicator of what I look for is literally what their countenance is, that a look on their face and the way that they're appearing or showing up. And that if, let's say, for example, I know a number of people who are very afraid to do Facebook lives for their business or even film a video for their business because they think that they have to have like a huge production studio, right? They like think, oh my gosh, I can't just hop on video. And if I say something to them about, well, you just need to go for it. I mean, you don't have to have it perfect. You can see something that will cross over their face of where they are considering what I'm saying, but at the same time, a a fear and a resistance pops up. And so then that's when I notice that little sign and cue, and then I can say some other things to them that will help them realize what I am talking about. And they'll usually be like, okay, you're right. And I don't know if they necessarily follow my, <laughs> my advice, but they can at least start to recognize it in themselves. And like the journey of getting there, I imagine that the journey of getting off that perfectionism horse is once you start, it's easy to keep it rolling or is that not the case is it do people actually want to go back i think that you know when i told you that story about my c level work it was really a level work it is easier to stop because you start to see how much time and how much better you feel you have more time and you feel better when you stop having perfectionist tendencies and so people start to have better life satisfaction and they literally have more time And so that's something that people are really grateful for. And it is something that maybe they're always going to have to keep in check a little bit, but it's pretty easy to keep going because you'll have some things that you can say like, okay, I'm just doing good enough or you don't need to get an A, that kind of thing. You can have that sort of mantra in your head. We'll just let you know, I don't have to do this perfectly. I'm going to stop working on this right now. That's good enough. 
And when we do discover that we have this, either because somebody pointed at us and said, you're a perfectionist, or we noticed for ourselves when we looked in the mirror, or looked at our A work. (laughs) Yes. Does it come and go? Or is it something that is there? And unless you're really heavy on the monitoring, it's just going to keep eating away at you. I would say that for most people, it probably ebbs and flows depending on what else is going on in their life. So if their lives are very busy and they have a lot of life stressors, that probably is going to make their perfectionism flare up. It's kind of like a coping mechanism. And then if things are easier for them, they're probably easier on themselves. But this is something that absolutely can be managed and, as I've said, can really dissipate. And I'm proof of that. The way that I used to be is not how I operate at all anymore. And I know a lot of people like me who really struggled and then realized that they didn't want to be that way anymore and did a lot of things to overcome it. And they are not reverting to their old tendencies. So a big part of this is actually recognizing it and and making a decision to take some action. Absolutely. And because this is, well, I'm guessing it's mostly happening in our mind, this perfectionism thingy that we need to chase Does it sometimes or frequently, however it might be, does it run over to physical health? It does. And this is something that I mentioned right at the beginning of my story is that I wound up having a really severe autoimmune reaction. And so perfectionism and anxiety and other mental health issues, they do tend to all kind of cluster together. And eventually one's body will start to show symptoms as well because our emotions and our body are really very much linked. And so if we're operating under stress for a very long time, our bodies just can't handle that. So perfectionism, if we're just saying this as a phrase, it doesn't really sound that bad, but it is because as I mentioned, can be tied to depression and can be tied with anxiety. And that's when we start to have a lot of physical symptoms that can crop up. So it could be the thin edge of the wedge, Heather. Yes, I think so. I've never heard that phrase before as an American, but I get where you are coming from. (laughs) Yes, this is like right on the cusp of, of something that could be tipping over, right? What tips can you give our listeners who may be realizing that they're grappling with perfectionism? Well, as I mentioned, really just telling yourself, I'm going to do this just good enough. And so let's say they are working on some sort of task, right? Number one, they can give themselves an amount of time, like a normal amount of time, right? That is feasible to do this at the bare minimum, because they again have to realize that what they think is their C-level work is actually an A-level. So give themselves a set amount of time and that's it. That's all they get. And then while they're doing the work, just tell them, okay, I'm just getting to good enough. And then I'm going to stop when it's good enough. And then that's it. They've done the work and then they're going to stop at that point. But one thing I'd like to say that may sound a bit unusual is that it can be really useful to take your perfectionism and turn it into something that's like an external person from you. So like it's a person outside of you and then you can name that person and then you can talk to that person. My perfectionist is named Dorothy. And so when Dorothy is chattering at me, I can say something to her like, hey, thanks for your input, Dorothy. I totally appreciate you, you know, wanting us to do a great job. Thanks for your input, but I'm going to do my own thing now. 
And so it takes all those kind of feelings and thoughts that are swirling through our head and it's like a personification, right? It's literally taking it outside of you and putting it over there. And so then you can listen to Dorothy or not listen to Dorothy, but that tool can be really useful to people because then they're taking it literally like it's outside of themselves and they can quiet it that way. I like the idea of Dorothy. I think she's a really good idea. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> yeah, as we're approaching the end of our conversation here on Business Conversations, What's the best tip you have received from a business conversation? Oh my gosh, there's so many. I would really just say that we all have so many natural talents and that when we realize that our natural talents shine through in our business and that we can do things our own way, we can listen to other people's advice but when we just let our personalities and natural strengths shine through, then that's really the strength of our business. Because as I mentioned at the beginning, our businesses are just really an extension of ourselves. And so I think at some point someone gave me the permission to do my business the way that worked for me, that was aligned to me and my personality. And there's a lot of freedom in that, knowing you don't have to follow the mold and follow it the way that someone else has done it. And of course, the issue is following generic paths is generic results. Absolutely. But what is the top piece of advice you'd like to leave listeners with today, Heather? I would just say, again, give yourselves a break, right? If you're running a business, you're very courageous and you've just got to give yourself a lot of kudos because I find as business owners, we need to high five ourselves because oftentimes we don't get high fives from anybody else. And so just know that you've taken a really amazing path for yourself and give yourself a lot of credit for the work that you have done and just keep going. Excellent advice, I think. Most importantly, though, before we let you get away, how can our listeners connect with you to start their own business conversation? Oh, well, thanks so much for that. The best way to find me is really through my website, and that is www.theenergysynergist.com. And there's no fancy spelling in any of that. It's just theenergysynergist.com. No breaks, nothing. It's all one word, theenergysynergist.com. And hopefully there'll be a number of people who'll be following you up, Heather, to start their own business conversation because perfectionism, anxiety, all those things that go into it, seem to be becoming a terrible blight on society and you're living proof that we can get away from it. Well, thank you. And yes, I would love to connect with your listeners and I hope my story has been inspirational to them. I think it's definitely been that Heather and thank you very much for coming on and hopefully we will get to talk to you again soon. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for listening to another episode of Business Conversations with Clive Enever. Make sure you subscribe to future episodes via your favourite podcast app and you can find more business resources at cliveenever.com.au.